Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for, a podcast for podcasters. This is Creating the Greatest Show, and I'm your host, Casey Cheshire. Join me as we interview podcast hosts and investigate the ingredients of a successful interview podcast. We'll talk mistakes, earned skills, powerful questions, and more. This show is sponsored by Ringmaster, completely done for you, B2B podcast production. Here we go, people. I'm excited for this one. We are rolling. The little cloud blinky blink is blinking. We are on an adventure. It has begun. And let's go. My guest is an absolute, ah, what can I say? He's a he's an amazing person, marketer. He's a dad. He's a husband. He's a data geek. We're going to geek out on this show. What can I say? And he's also a podcaster. So let me let me introduce you, though. He's a, he's a marketing thought leader. And his podcast is is watched by the people who watch things in B2B marketing. He's recorded over 115 episodes. He's the host of the Funnel Reboot podcast, founder and chief data analyst of marketing. What's new? Glenn Smetchley, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Casey. Dude, it's good to have you back. We chatted a long time ago on the marketing podcast. That's right. You came on my show. Yes. and, And Man, this was great. So this is how we first got to meet each other was on podcasting. So what better way yes. to now talk podcasting is to have you on here and to just talk about this thing that we both know and love and have been doing a lot of. So I'm going to shut up, pass you this question. The question is, sir, draw back that curtain. Glenn, pull back that curtain for us on your show and share your most important strategy for a great podcast. I think one that people who are getting into podcasts and who want to truly come at it from who they are as a person. I think one of the best way that they can get quality guests and really have quality conversations and find out what their own voice has to say is to get authors on their show. Authors. Authors yeah. are the secret ingredient. Tell me about this. What makes them so magical of, of guest creatures? So the uh, maybe the simplest way to put it is, let's break the world into two camps. There is, and you don't even think about it until you've kind of crossed the threshold, but we all begin as consumers of content, right? We go to school, we learn stuff. They say, here's your textbook, open it, page one. Then we, you know, move into let's say the business world. Yeah, and they, you know, say go to this conference, sit in that, you know, big keynote speaking room, and listen to the person on the stage. And so we are naturally consumers of content. We're also, I bet everybody here. I mean, I know everybody here is a listener to a podcast, so you're a content consumer there. And when you notice people who are the leaders, the people who maybe you aspire to be, they've crossed over from being a content consumer to being a producer. And I know I'm making a big deal out of this, you know, seemingly obvious distinction, but a content producer has worked really deliberately to make sure that they have a message that's worth sharing. So if you are going to be a content producer, I'm going to suggest that you think of yourself as going on 
maybe the road less traveled, right? You're, yeah. you're starting along a journey and a very clear milestone marker the people that are way ahead of you down the line on that journey are people who've come out with a book. Yes. So if you go to them, whether you want to get to writing a book yourself or not, but if you go to them, you've got this rich target of people who will at least have something very worthwhile to say. And here's the even better part, because you can go buy their book and read it. You have a chance before you've ever interviewed them to see if that's true. Ah, so you can see if that book is full of shit or not. Right. Yeah. And if they, and if they do know what they're talking about, because some are right. Oh, invariably. There are, there are bad books and good books, but um, they they clearly are trying to be good. So if it passes muster with you, it's probably going to be good for your audience too. And if you go to them, Another product of this is they came up with a book for it not to be a dud. I don't think many of them just wanted to, you know, go through all that bother to have it sit on a shelf and and collect dust. So they will want to be on your interview. They may even want to share the show because you're talking about something that they want to do well. So and it's like they're it's like they're a professional communicator at that point, right? Because you you cross over and when you author this book, I mean, I've seen this with a lot of people, and I've even felt this myself. Where now you start pitching your book everywhere you go, right? And I think from doing that, it's annoying to start with, but the benefit is, like a comedian who workshops their comedy, they've yeah. said it enough times. Where sometimes you, you can get a guest that's not an author. They have never said this before. They've never thought about it. And it's painful to listen to. Yeah. Right. Like they may eventually get there, but there's a lot of winding and meandering. And an author, exactly. They, you know, whether it was an outside publisher or they self published, or maybe a friend who read it before it went to print, hey, get, get your story down here, get it tight, say what you mean to say. Each chapter has a purpose. And so, when you talk about it, but you raised one really interesting thing there. And I want to make this distinction. Yeah. I'm not here saying you're flogging a book on your podcast. Mm. Um, there are podcast interviews I've done with a book author where the book is saved for the last 10 seconds of the show. But what you have had is a very thorough conversation about what the book covers Gotcha. Like you know where they're coming from, right? Yeah. So, so that's the best way to go is where you're not. It's so you're saying it's not just an ad for the book. You're not selling out completely, right? How do um, you do that? How do you get? How do you get someone who's <laughs> inevitably prepared to do nothing but pitch their book yeah. and say bylines from their book and have a conversation with them and have it not sound like a shill for that? Sure. Um, It's expectation setting. So Mm, we, um, as, as podcast showrunners, I guess we have to lean into what that title says and we have to say, all right, I've got to set expectations. It's my show. And right. I mean, yeah. If, if we get that, if we don't set anything up for them, that vacuum will be filled by, 
their expectations or assumptions. So in the, you know, a better way to do it is just to say to them what you would prefer. I don't want you out right plugging this book, or I will save that for the end. You will wait until I mention it to bring it up. Right. But what we're going to have is a substantive talk about what you know. And I, I haven't come across an author yet who had a problem with that. Yeah. I, I like that. You're taking charge, right? It, taking command. You're, it's, it, it is not overly aggressive. It's your show. So it, stand up for what you want to believe in. And honestly, if you don't, you run the risk of being a part of a show that you're not interested in, which is like a kiss of death, right? Because then you're not into it at all. So you who's just got that kind of time. I mean, right. Right. It's enough right. work to create these right. things. Cause then you're babysitting. <laughs> yeah. Or it got hijacked on you. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I liked how you're saying you're, you're saying to them when you want them to do something. And I, I think I've found that working as well for me, where I say, this is the part of the show where you can talk about what you do or about, yes what you sell, or if you're, especially if they have a company so that they know. And I found if you don't tell them where they'll invent where, you know, Correct. so you got to tell them, this is the part we talk about this. And if you want to hawk your, your t-shirts, great. I want one too, but do it here. Right. Yeah. I like, And that. they'll appreciate that too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, Hey, it's a best practice and it helps keep them from making a bad show. The good ones or the bad ones. It just wrangles them into creating the show that you want to listen to. For sure. Wow. Now, I have had the challenge of book authors. I think someone was on Rogan many moons ago, but this gal was an author and she made it abundantly clear that she was because every time he asked a question, she said, well, it was in the book. Oh, it's in the book. Just go read the book. Have you encountered anything that obnoxious? Um, and any challenges when you have a, an author come into play? Um, not much. Um, sometimes, so I, I guess we have to, uh, maybe slice authors into segments. So okay. there right. are, let, let's start with maybe the top segment. So the top segment are people who are professional speakers and mm. authors and consultants, right? Like that. Yep. So they have I don't want to say fallen into, but they have found themselves in a place where there's so much volume in the book sales happening that it's their main revenue stream, or it propels them onto the stage, or it gets them into, I had a person tell me that the book propelled them into becoming a consultant to Google. Um, so at, at that level, yeah, I'm going to agree with you that you got to watch because those people... Um, have, have become ingrained to thinking, well, if I just insert a mention here, or if I redirect people there, they'll think they already think I'm wonderful. So they'll just snap it up. So um, I think the antidote for that, along with the expectations, is to give them meaty questions because then they'll be too occupied with thinking and doing that to, you know, just gravitate over into, um, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, speaking over here all that week, you know, right. try the shrimp, right. <laughs> right. Your waiter. Um, so give them meaty questions. Um, 
but they're few and far between. The pyramid right below that little apex at the top, mm-hmm. it's full of people that would include guys like you who've written a book because you've uncovered some stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it does loosely relate to what you do for work, but you really just want to get it out there. You want right. more people to understand this nugget that you found. And so I find the vast majority of people are overjoyed to simply make sure that that message is getting shared. Hmm. Something about that. And I want to actually follow up with another point that you've raised around how if they have a book, your preparation is easier. And could you take me more in, take me now to like your timeline, you know, like how do you prepare? What happens in the middle? What happens at the end? And, and talk to me that, that process. Sure. Sure. And um, we can talk about it a bit later because this is a migration, right? But I was doing um, podcast episodes where there was almost no book involved. And now I'm doing most podcasts. I was going to ask you that too. Almost exclusively now, do you just interview authors? Over three quarters. Yeah. 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 Well above half and probably close to three quarters. Um, So the preparation looks different. It's longer. Um, And okay, I'll I'll just talk about it first from the... Do you read it? I'm sorry. I just keep hopping in. Do you read the book beforehand or... Yes. So, so, so you had to read my book. I'm sorry. Sorry. You had to go through that. Come on. (laughs) Um, I'll, uh, you know, this is like asking a a parent, you know, which of your children do you love the most? No, no, no. I, I, I've, I've had good experiences really all around. No, totally. But um, there's two timelines here. There's your timeline, which matters. And I'm going to finish this question with talking about the author's timeline. Can't mm-hmm. forget about that. But your timeline, yeah, you let's call it T minus, you know, eight or 10 weeks from when it ends up happening. Um, you contact them. Hey, saw you have a book. Love it. Um, would love to talk with you. Yeah. Would you like to come on my show? They say, yes. You say, and, and this is what I put right into the, template. Um, I have to do my prep and I'm now that you're booked, I'm going to buy your book, but it would be helpful if you have a soft copy of it. Could you shoot me that? That'll just speed up my prep. Hmm. Okay. And I will leave it up to the listeners here. If they want to, you know, adopt this, it's up to them whether they actually go through with buying the book or not. Um, I've, had, you know, I've, I've picked up most of them and my rationalization is I've got people I can gift these things to anyway, right. at some point. Um, I've even held raffles on my show and said, right. if you mention us on social media, I'll ship you a book. Right. So I, I don't consider that to be um, a real hardship. Uh, books aren't cheap, but you know, sure. it's uh, and, and again, it's what an percent individual send them thing. to you. Oh, um, electron, if they have an electronic copy, like, yeah, over half. Oh, electronic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one person said, I'm leery about people, um, copying it, posting on the internet, but 
but here's what I'll do. It's on Kindle. Use this code and it makes the Kindle free. I like that. That's cool. So, Classy you know, move. or if you're on a, if you're on a Kindle unlimited, then this is really easy. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, um, I don't mind asking. I think a tiny bit of friction there to ask and say, you know, yeah, if you've got a soft copy and you're, I'm going to be interviewing you, you know, mm-hmm. lend a hand here. So then I leave myself time and I do stay on top of what I have to get read and to have it done before the interview. But beyond that, um, you know, instead of making up show notes and questions, I look at my notes from the book. Really? Okay. There, there's, there's, you know, I might move things around a little bit, Yeah. but essentially there's all the questions that I need to ask them about, or I maybe play it like jeopardy. I read the answer on my note and I make up the question. Oh, interesting. Okay. This is really fascinating to me because I, I've sort of developed this like never read it before thing that I yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm not saying anything's right or wrong, but it fascinates me to, to hear a different approach. So I want to ask you, so so from the notes come the questions or maybe come the answers and then yep. you... So does that essentially mean you're asking questions you may know the answer to already? A lot of the time. And I think that's good. Are you, and you, think, you're okay with that? Well, I think especially for your first little bit, like if you are only starting a podcast or maybe a dozen or two dozen episodes in, I would encourage that. Mm. Um, I like that. Interesting. Let's, let's lay bare one thing here, Casey. And that is um, we all, as going back to my notion of how we all started off as content consumers, you know, you and I are, we're Gen X, right? So we're of the era where we can remember you turned on the TV. Speak for yourself. I'm like a millennial. I'm like 22. I just, yeah, this just sure. hair thing is my only, my only tell. <laughs> but okay. We so- all watched, you know, like the three network guys, right? Like, like for us, a content producer was ugh, a minor deity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were pretty famous guys, okay. right? They had those and so, like and so horses and the, and the funky hair and the, right, yeah. right. Yeah, they had all the and the you know the nice trench coat when they were reporting from you know, <laughs> yeah. on location, yeah, on location. Yeah. So, I think what I'm being honest with there is, you know, what? Why am I arguing that you should read the book and have the notes uh, and know kind of what their answers are going to be in advance? Because that start tr- struck aspect is going to rear itself. And if you're, if you're kind of new to this thing and I need you, you have to go back hundreds of episodes in your podcasting life to remember this, Yes, but you may have had some people on and you were knocking your knees together thinking, I don't have any business talking to this person. Adele Ravello was like episode three for me. I had no business talking. Yeah, totally. I mean, in our own minds, right? In I mean, my own mind, yeah. She was I'm like, sure oh, these people are yeah. like, I would Super like nice. them to call the F down because, yeah. you know, I'm just a human like they are. But this is the psychology. So this is why I think having a clear roadmap for the call with what they've said already in the book is going to set you up for success. Um, I, I know that a good author and speaker will even be able, if you fumble the ball, 
to still give you a good podcast, but I think it gives best odds for both sides to have a good call if you've got that kind of thing. And you will know that the question is is in their wheelhouse because it's yeah. literally tied to you're, the content that you're reading and you found it interesting. They got the bat ready. You're putting it over home. They're going to appreciate that because that means you're asking them good questions that they know. You're not asking them some weird thing that they're like, that's not exactly what I do. And they have to make you look like an idiot. So it's like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, so, uh, so tell me about PPC. Yeah. You know, I'm, I don't really, it's not really my specialty. Um, but I know some people yeah. that do. <laughs> Awkward pause. Right. right. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I think that's important. Like I said, in, in your kind of, Great point. Before that you reach maturity, thing, thing we've definitely talked yeah. about that in, in different ways, but never made that. I've never. This is a great aha for me. Like, you know, that little mind blown emoji is like the proper preparation can help prevent that starstruck feeling yeah. because you you know the questions to ask, and it's relying less on you being in the moment in the spot, and you have some really good questions that'll earn the respect of your guest. Yeah. Cool. Super cool, man. Do you do a prep call with your guest as well? No. No. So this takes the place of that. Pretty much. Um, so again, this is on a scale, but if yeah. we maybe move higher on that pyramid more towards, you know, a big name author, um, there may be a prep call, but it's actually with their assistant mm. or publicist or somebody who's making sure that if they're responsible for putting a podcast on this person's calendar, that they don't look like a doofus. Have you ever felt like that, by the way? No one's listening. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Look, I'll be honest. I've had, this is podcasting and getting guests um, is business development. It's the Mm. exact same thing. So, um, and, and I, I, I would say, if you're not getting, it's like they say in sales, you know, if you're not getting a couple of losses along with the win column, then like you got to raise your prices or you got to do something like if, if you're smooth sailing. And so the thing I would say in podcasting is if you're not getting some rejects, you're not asking people who are notable enough. Great point. That's a sound. Right? Bite right there. That's a clippable soundbite from the because, mighty powerful Glenn. Well, and, and. I want to be clear here. I feel my podcast tries to let those voices that don't get their fair share to be there. Um, one that I will absolutely call out because it bothers me is the male to female ratio. Um, and I think it's, you know, when people say words like systemic, all I can say from my humble observations is when I go to look for female authors of business and marketing books, they're, they're there, but they're not at the same volume as the male authors. Mm. So I've got to like literally go through the shelves deeper to find female authors, but I want my show to have a, a half decent, you know, reflection of, people who actually know their stuff. And that to me has been completely a gender wash, you know, issue that there are female authors out there where I say to myself, you should be a best-selling 
you know, you should be on stages that I, at conferences I go to, you should be getting way more notice right now. So, mm. um, so are you saying that it's, it's harder to find other, not as many women writing books in your particular, I mean, our industry, that's what marketing I'm finding. And if there that's are any people who know, so, guys, so by, by your filter, authors, yeah. So if you, you use that as a filter, that kind of does, um, skew your own guesting or it makes it harder for you to keep, keep a nice diverse guesting pool because of that filter. Yeah. I, like, I know it's an overblown word, but you know, if you want to imagine yourself as a curator, right. Yeah, I mean, a, curator. a good podcaster to me should just be going and finding, you know, like turning over stones and then saying to their audience, Hey, look what I found under here. Notice what I said. I didn't say, look at me. Yeah. Right. Um, look at what I found. I found something. I was interested in it. You should be interested in it. Um, I will close the loop here on this question you asked about, like, am I getting um, to people? And is this, you know, am I getting rejected? And, you know, what am I doing about that? Yes. For that percentage of your shows where you want to have a highly notable person, there are gatekeepers. There uh, is deafening silence when you, you know, make your first um, approach. So right. have a swipe file of second and third messages, like have some templates and note down just like you would in a CRM. All right. I sent them this crickets. I sent them the next thing crickets again. I'm going to wait a little bit, but then I'm going to come at it this way. I noticed on their website, they say for media inquiries or public speaking inquiries, go to the speaker's bureau. Okay. Didn't go anywhere with that one, but I'm now going over to this person and I'm going to make the case for why they should get me on this person's radar. Yeah. Interesting. You know, I really love, okay, there's two talks. We're going to get back to the diversity thing in a second, but the, the rejected invites, some of the shows where we're working with people, we get quite a few of those. And now I'm feeling like, actually, this is great. We are, we're on that bleeding edge of trying to get that absolute rock star ICP. So like the perfect guest, right? So, yep. Okay, cool. Now I'm feeling actually good about that. And for some of the, for my marketing show, I'm, I'm feeling a little challenged. Like maybe I should do that a little bit more. Maybe I've been a little, not, I won't say safe because I've had some great guests, um, but maybe I should poke at different things. And I think occasionally I... I sent Seth Godin an email and he wrote me Good back. Good for you. Like, I haven't, like, I haven't no. worked up the courage yet. He was like, no, but I'm like, don't, bro, don't you know who I am? Uh, but <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Uh, but he was like, no. I was like, uh, okay, um, whatever. <laughs> whatever, you suck. And then I, I returned his book. But um, but no, you're right. You should, you should stretch and dream a little bit and not sweat it too much. Overall, you want to see where you can learn from. And, and it's not a failing. I mean, there are yeah. certainly bloopers that you have on a podcast when you're making one. But to me, um, if you swing and miss with somebody that you wanted to get on the show, nobody heard about that. True. So, True. so two cares? of them come to mind right now, and it kind of bothers me. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you're right. No one else knows about that. Oh yeah, you and I remember. Yeah, it stings a yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. It stings a bit. But um, maybe I'll hold out hope for what you said, though. You, 
the, the picture I got in your mind was that your show is a different beast when it's at several hundred episodes versus when it's at 20 episodes. Sure. So um, you don't appear the same, you know, if you went and knocked on that door again, right. Um, your show is bigger and back to this thing. And I, I guess it's maybe like a, like a, a wave where you kind of work with this baby show and you mm. get, you know, baby to middling guests, you got kind of an intermediate adolescent show and you're now finding that all kinds of guests are flocking to you. And maybe that's the time where you should say, okay, next rung up the ladder. I need to think about, okay, if my adolescent show needs to be a mature show, what kind of guests should I now like my ICP is going to change. Like that. Yeah. Strategically but it's growing. all marketing. I mean, this is, this is the stuff that most of us do uh, as, as, you know, in the, in a, in a sales and marketing function. And I find it hilarious how many times I just notice that about it. And then rapidly after say, duh, like, yeah, of course it's just like the stuff that you do for your clients or the stuff that you do for your own business. Yeah. You know, I, I love this too, because we all have our own approaches and flavors and personality quirks. And I mean, Sometimes I don't actually want those people. Maybe it's so they don't reject me, but also sometimes it's because uh, sometimes I get the movie scripted person and not, I want like well, the real person, like give me the real person, but let's they're go so there. polished. So let's, I've got it. I've got a hack Talk for to that me. too. Yeah, please. Um, and, and I'm going to like, I'm going to tell you that my show, you know, they say you're a mixture of the five friends that you keep around you. So my show in my mind, and I won't, you won't get me to name them, but my show is, in a, is an amalgam of the five shows that were formative to me, right? You're not gonna name so, You're gonna name uh, well, I'll name one because he's instructive for this. And I mean, he should be formative for many podcasters. It's Mitch Joel. Six Mitch? Pixels of Separation. Oh. A towering figure in the podcasting world. He's been, he's on like episode eight. He's almost at 850 or 900 of his wow. show. Yeah. So what I noticed about Mitch, and he also will have um, an uncannily high number of book authors on his show. Mm -hmm. And again, we wait until about a minute before the show closes where, you know, Mitch kind of springs into the conversation with, so all this stuff we've been talking about, you happen to have a book that came out that talks about that. So now, you know, reverse engineer it. Okay. Mitch yeah. read the book. Mitch has been talking about the book the whole time. And now we hear, but Mitch uh, is so good at this that he will um, gently, but intently knock the author a little bit off of their center of gravity. And he'll, he'll throw a couple of hooks at them, a couple of curveballs, and he'll see what they have to say about that. And it's because, so let's maybe, people read in different ways, but the way I like to read a book is I like to imagine that I'm sitting in an easy chair and the other person is across from me. We've got some, you know, nice steaming hot beverage in front of us and we're just having a good chat. Yeah. So he, he takes it in that way. 
And I try to channel a bit of that too. When I'm talking with someone, especially a higher up person, I will keep a couple of things. Hey, but what about, you know, and I'm not confronting them directly. I'm not saying chapter seven was wrong, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just, you know, posing something, knowing that they, you know, came down hard on, you know, one side. And I'm saying, well, yeah, but there's another way to look at that. Mm. That gets mentioned after the call in a very positive way. They will cut, they always come back to me and they say, you asked me one or two questions there that I never get. Right. And I think that the listener can tell. I think the listener can hear them drawing in their breath, them. You can hear the wheels turning. There's a little bit more and it doesn't have that flat talk track feel to yeah. it. Yeah, because I think secretly they don't want to be doing the same. It's like for, for the hundredth time, no. Art is playing that song that we all love. Right. And, and be pissed if you tweak any note, sometimes some people won't. But then they they just want to riff on it, man, because they've been yeah. playing it or, so or, much. That's right. Or maybe to use your analogy, there's maybe a local singer and they invite them up on stage. Yeah. Or the audience videos. knows this song, some right? Of the best YouTube videos, grow right. or someone pulls some kid up on stage and he can, right. like, oh man, he can sing. He you can know? sing like, too. Cool. Yeah. All right. And everyone's like, yeah. So right. yeah, just, and everybody has fun. Exciting for them again. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's that maybe that middle ground of, uh, and again, I'm borrowing from your and my heritage here, but in the old days of TV, they said recorded in front of a live audience. Mm. So that is hella better than laugh track. <laughs> right? Right. But you know that recorded in front of a live audience means that if somebody flubbed something badly, that it was edited out. Yes. So to me, it's a middle ground, right? Saturday Night Live, if they bomb, everybody sees it. It, it is in there. It is, it's clear. We're streaming it. Over on the talk track side, it is so reheated and refried mm. that it just loses all its freshness. But that kind of, you know, yes, we'll 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 talk to you about the stuff you know, but I'm also gonna mix it up a bit. I think they appreciate that. Right, right. I had the picture of microwaved refried beans, you know, it's like a third time it's been cooked. The bean the even the beans are like, come on, man. <laughs> Throw me out. I am done. Just let me go, please. Uh, that's so good, man. Yeah, what a good... So that's a great way to get them off the polish without having to insult them or make them have an unpleasant experience. So that right. it, it's something that they're going to enjoy and it gets you back to that place where you're talking to a human, you're making a connection, you're learning. And I, I, and I do... Man, there's so many things we can do on the show. But let me take you back because this is the first time we've talked about it. But the idea of the diversity of your guests, sure. right? And wanting to talk to different kinds of people from different places. Uh, talk to me more about the challenges of that. You mentioned sometimes you don't have enough authors at the same time. People should be encouraged to be an author. Like this should be a book. But talk yeah. to me about how do you, do you, I mean, are you deliberate about it? Do you just sort of like mentally keep a, a tally or how do you approach trying to keep your, your, your guests, your sources of knowledge is, 
as diverse as possible? Uh, the direct answer to your question just on the diversity front is um, I think at the 100 show mark, I just, so that I had a sense, I just look back and, you know, it, it, I did a male versus female. And um, I think another way I looked at it was like IRL friends and acquaintances versus just people I approached cold. Um, and both of those numbers, you know, there isn't a, there isn't a bellwether. I'm not going to say what those are because I think everybody else needs to yeah. kind of get a feel for where they should be. But I think a gut check like that every once in a while um, is kind of good. The I other, agree, by the way. I, I love that. Yeah. And I'm sure that down. Hey, nothing like looking every 50 even, because that's almost oh, like, why not? Year, right. Take a look right. back. Yeah. What did I like about these guests? What did I didn't? What could I improve? Where could I go with it? Just so you see things. Right. Yeah. You see things looking back. Yes. Then the other one is, and I, um, I'm, I got to go a little bit roundabout to get there, but when, when you're trying to figure out who to pick and, you know, what kinds of things should be brought in, I'm going to suggest there's something I did and I, I, probably had to do it, but I, I took a stab before the show started of writing something. And I just opened up a Google doc one day and for lack of a better word, I called it the manifesto. Mm. So the manifesto for me, you know, it, it kind of was all the hopes and dreams and, you know, what, what would uh, it be like to have an audience of people that found what you had to say to be worthwhile and what would they want to hear about? And I, in one part, I wrote down um, what, how, how would you delineate the whole field of what you want to talk about so that you could talk about it for years? Yeah. Okay. So that I think helps too, because I don't want to give people the impression that, you know, yeah, you just, you know, make a big database of who you want to go after and then, you know, figure out according to gender or something else, right. you know, that, that there's like some algorithm for no, 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 no. It's more, I've got an audience here. And at that point, to be clear, I had zero audience, sure. but I imagined them and I imagined what would they what would they want? What are they pro what are they maybe lacking in their uh, educational nutritional diet? Yeah. What can I bring? You know, because let's face it, what I was actually doing was I was working backward into a brand. Right. Right. Um, and this is going to sound super hokey, Casey, but if anyone has read Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. Okay. So I would point to that book as as having one thing that helped me at that point of sitting down and writing that manifesto where I was kind of getting a feel for how um, I'm going to, what, what possible, what would the word cloud look like of things that would be mm -hmm. acceptable topics and areas of focus. And what, what he said that I take away from that book and whether people buy it or not, you know, he comes up with this, research finding that a person becomes an expert in something after they've spent 10,000 hours at it. Right. So I stopped what I was doing on writing that manifesto and I got out just a, another sheet somewhere. And I said, 
what have I spent 10,000 hours doing? Now, it wasn't a long list and TV watching was probably on there. Uh, you know, like, you know, useless stuff. I can navigate I, Netflix so good. See, right, right. But man, um, looked at that short list of things. And I mean, I would encourage somebody even to do this if they're like trying to figure out if their LinkedIn profile really speaks of who they are, right? Like ask yourself, what have you done? And maybe in descending order, maybe it's 10,000, 5,000. I don't care. Just make up numbers. But you know, what, what have you spent a lot of time at? And one of the ones that was right near the top for me was I've read books. Like I've read a lot of books. And then I looked at it and I said, well, how many of them are like sales and marketing books and, you know, good business books. And like the number was it's nearing 250. I thought, okay, that maybe I did it by accident, but holy cow, that's a lot of doing stuff by accident. And I should maybe notice that and pay attention to that. Um, I don't mind reading. So, you know, and, and yes, there are still dishes in the sink, but <laughs> um, so maybe I shouldn't do that much reading. But my point is, whatever it is that you have a show about, if you look at what you have been drawn to and spending your time on, if you can weave that into how the show is going to provide a focus, um, it will come through loud and clear. Mm. with the people who, you know, care about the same thing you do. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful, man. The idea of that mission and manifesto, having that, that, that vision sheet, you're just writing out, like, this is what I'd love it to be. You're literally manifesting that, you know, by just putting it on paper. Beautiful. And, and I don't know, there are people like Steve Jobs is kind of held out for being a visionary. Other people are good at it. honest admission, I don't really see myself as a person who, you know, can look out 10, 15 years. But one thing we can all do is look backwards. And so even if that is instructive into what we are probably okay with doing, right? Like, what do you find yourself doing on a Sunday morning when you have, you know, a, a number of things that you could choose to be doing? Right. So if that somehow can work its way into, you know, whatever, because you will want to find a tribe of listeners who probably find themselves doing that too. And you don't even have to say it out loud. If you just record Mm. the people that talk like that, or you use a format that is conducive to that, I, I I think they'll find you. And it, it's, it's, it's almost magic, but not. There's probably some science behind it, but yeah. Just, but I think it's also we gravitate toward uh, people who yeah. one have, have their shit fixed. Up, but then I, two, I've heard it called law toward, of attraction. Yeah, but people that have a sense of what they want, and we probably respect that because we're all trying to figure that out too. So it's like maybe if I'm near you, I can help figure my stuff out too. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I love that aspect of it. And it's powerful. It's It's important too, for audience numbers that, you know, let's Mm -hmm. be honest podcast. People like to, you know, 
dig in, yeah. look at their audience numbers, look at their download numbers. And for the first while, it's not going to be great shakes. Yeah. But if, I, if I'm feeling that way, I just remind myself, but I'm going for a slice of humanity that goes out, out for the same things I do. Yeah. So if, if there's, you know, only a small number of us, I'm cool with that. Absolutely. And, and I think one of the things with that, I'd love to sort of plant the seed in people's minds. It's just the other day I was thinking about one listener, right? And I, I don't know if you've ever done like a webinar and like no one shows up and you're like, well, I'm not doing it. But then one person shows up and you're like, right. Okay. Right. You're on. I, yeah. You, and you don't know this because thankfully I'm not sharing my guest list with you, but this show is literally for you. So I hope you don't leave because that would be sad. Right. But one person. And so every time I see a stat next to the podcast measurements, you know, I have to remind myself that it I never was about the vanity metrics anyways, but even just thinking, wow, one person, and I've met a few of these people, so I actually know who they are now, but one person thought, yeah, let me give this a whirl, see what, what this is, and and yep. listen to that conversation, to this conversation. And one person, I mean, that can have this trickle-down effect. So it's not even necessarily about the 20,000. It can be some small, very targeted micro changes. Yeah, and when, as you say, it translates over into an offline conversation, I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the ones I chuckle at are, hey, uh, you can you tell me what that book was that you mentioned the other, you know, or you talked with the person the other time, or yeah. if they're in my same city, right. uh, do you have a copy of that kicking around? That, that sounded pretty cool. Um, or maybe if you're, let's say, selling services, you know, um, you clearly knew that area of things that that well-known author talks about. Yeah. Can you come in and talk to us a bit about that? Can you, you know, would you be prepared to you know, maybe see if you can do a small contract with us where you help us in that area? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally cool, man. I want to take you to a dark place now. Ready? Yeah. What is your biggest challenge right now with podcasting? Good one. Um, I can, I can say that I'm still probably not uh, the best at having um, my scheduling down. So I get nervous about the shows that are rapidly approaching where I've got, um, I don't have an intro recorded. I don't have, in one case, I've got a guest who is waiting to hear back if they have the okay. And they're part of a quartet of shows. Oh, wow. And so... The others are ready to go, but they're not. So I, I kind of have, uh, I used to have a real problem with that when they were all in one long list. And then this little, I, I borrowed from again, TV, and I just came up with seasons and they're completely yeah. made up, but seasons are a pretty cool way to allow and, and relax myself. Right. So season is what as little as 11 and as many as 20 shows, but it allows me to kind of get them so that I, I can mentally stay. Okay. I've got the current season that I'm in on lock. It's done. You know, I, I am going to have to record some more shows, but I've got enough in the can for this period of time, you know, 
hate to say it, but you know, COVID came, you know, I got sick, had to move a show, things like that, family issues. So it's nice to, to have that, but I still, I don't think I've quite licked and I'm still challenged by planning out enough in advance. And it's a bit of a, a monster of my own making because on top of it, I say that many of the shows have to be books. So there, mm-hmm. there's a higher level of, you know, difficulty. It's a lot of reading I set for myself. <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe I'll just get comfortable with being uncomfortable, but yeah, that, that for me is, you know, I want to think that I can still be doing this for a while. So the sustainable question, mm-hmm. right. Is always yeah. there. And there's all those things moving around in the background. Um, well, I, I want to save you now and bring you to the future. Uh, okay. and, and oftentimes, you know, you take a look back, let's say a season might be a year, 48, 52 shows, a weekly show. Let's say we're chatting again, and I hope we do, 50 shows from now. And and you're looking back. What what? And right now, what does that show look like to you when you're looking at having done 50 shows from now? Is anything changed? What do, What's the vision for this show moving forward? Sure. I think it's, we're, we're at a point and I'm going to, you know, this is not new. Uh, there are people and I'll call one of them out. Who's been very good at explaining how to get in touch with your audience and to how, how you can actually activate your audience. And I'm talking about Joe Polizzi, who, you know, came to fame with the Car- content marketing Institute. I love marketing, so, right? Yeah, so uh, Funnel Reboot fits squarely in that category. It Mm. is a separate but loosely related brand to what I do as an agency owner. So, and, you know, Joe Polizzi, you know, has this set out. If if anybody wants, the one book that I would point to that does an expert job of explaining how he looks at it is Content Inc., which has come out with a second edition. And I had the privilege of having Joe on the show in 2021 to talk about that. Nice. Um, To answer your question, I don't think today uh, I'm happy with the feedback loop between the shows that I put out and the the audience uh, gathering in. Okay. Mm. So you're pushing me here, 50 shows. Hmm. Okay. So a year from now, there are loose connections, like somebody will shoot a tweet back, mm-hmm. you know, hey, mm-hmm. good show. Yep. I want to obviously see more of those. But if you look around at what our peers in the podcasting community are doing, those that are following Joe's model will have a Discord community or a LinkedIn group or something somewhere that starts to move to private channels. It starts to move to not only that hub of, you know, the, the content producer and then all the spokes, the listeners, but moves more into a network, right? A mesh kind of model yeah. where listener A is answering a question that listener B had. And it was the podcast host that put them in the forum where they can do that. Yeah. Right. Love that. And that, that is a powerful thing. 
Um, so, you know, if we even look over at our counterparts in the music business, why does a Lady Gaga, why does a Taylor Swift have yeah. such power? It's because they have built and they've worked really hard at it Definitely. to build a way for their community to vocalize and speak to each other as well as to get special access to them. So that's, you know, point on the horizon for me, kind of a, Oh, wow. Okay. That, that is, because if you really do believe, you know, if you use fun- funky words like manifesto to describe, you know, how you want people to actually learn something new and be better as a result of it. Mm-hmm. It's really a nice thought that you could provide them with the means to do that beyond just listening. And I guess the one last one that is really, you know, on steroids in that same notion is to go beyond a virtual world gathering place to doing it in the physical world with a conference or an event or a series of meetups. Sign me up. Right. And when I hear other podcasters that have done that, like, I salute that. Yeah. That'd be amazing with the guests and your audience and everyone else. All of it. That'd be a dream. That'd be absolutely a dream. Amazing. Dude, where can people connect with you? You, sure. your agency, your podcast, throw them at us. Put in the show notes. Start, start with just humble old me at the beginning. So uh, on you know Twitter and you know Instagram, I, I'm Hey Glenn S, right? And if you go from there, you can find out about Funnel Reboot, which is also you know on those social networks with its own channel, or you can check out Marketing What's New, which is my agency and analytics shop. And that's over mainly on LinkedIn, also on Twitter. But yeah, you can get there. But if you just start with Hey Glenn S, it'll take you to those places. Two N's in that, right? H-E-Y-G-L-E-N-N-S. Love it. Love it. And we will link so people don't have to even use their brains. They can just literally click their button uh, on the show notes and, and go right through. Dude, thank you so much for coming on here and just pouring out your your podcast hosting soul with me on this. I just feel like we've we've explored so many interesting topics that I literally haven't talked about before from research and reading and books to diversity and pushing that edge to, to get the guests that might scare you a little bit. Scary right. to ask and scary to interview. I just, right. it's, that's exciting. I, so thank you so much for coming on here. I'm happy to do it. And it, by laying these bare and just talking about them in general, I think one of the things that I would hope people realize is if you are grappling with those things, everybody does. Yeah. But by pushing through and making podcasts like that, you may even find that that gives you the confidence and that gives you, you know, once you find that voice that you out of 8 billion people, only you have, I think that is the way to let you grow as a person, right? It's, there's usually something that is holding us back from that. Of course it's us, but that by just showing a beach day and doing it. Um, so I hope, yeah, in explaining my journey that I've given some people out there, maybe something that gets one of those log jams cleared. Well, hundred percent. I, I know it has for me. And I think if, for those listening, if it has for you, then share this with one person. 
another podcast, a podcasting friend, someone who could use that kick in the pants to get that guest he's always yes. dreamed of or, or the confidence to go write that book or, yeah. or whatever the case may be. But and they'll have episode. you and me listening to their show because I'm yeah. happy to hear happy them to do that. Absolutely. make it over that you know hurdle and up the pinnacle. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And I think we all rise together as podcasters in this, yeah. this ecosystem. So, dude, gentlemen and scholar, thank you again. My thanks to you. All right, everyone. This has been such a cool episode of Creating the Greatest Show. We'll see you all next time. And next time doesn't have to be next week. Life's too short and we have way too much to talk about. Find show notes full of takeaways, lessons, and links at creatingthegreatestshow.com. For more information on launching your own podcast or working with us to produce your existing show, come on down to the big tent at ringmaster.com. Until then, friends, whatever you do, do it with all your might. Work at it, if necessary, early and late, in season and out of season, not leaving a stone unturned and never deferring for a single hour. That which can be done just as well now. P.T. Barnum.